welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So we love the superstars. It's uh, the super talented athlete that dominates the game. If I ask you right now for the name of a superstar, you would know it. You have your favorites. Uh, we could get in this big, long debate over who's the best. Um, Jordan. And anyway, uh, uh, it's their jerseys that sell out. It's, uh, it's their names that uh, everybody knows. Their highlights are played on all the sports shows over and over again. It's the name on the back of their jerseys that, that garner all these uh, millions of dollars of endorsements. Uh, but, but I want to talk about some other people. What about the guys and the girls on the sidelines? What about the ones that nobody knows? You know, those that, uh, they, 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 they're, on, they're riding the pine. Y'all remember those days when you rode the, oh, come on, is there anybody like me that went out for football when he was weighing 75 pounds that rode the pine just a little bit? I could have dominated if they'd let me in, but I was 75 pounds, all right? Anyway, uh, uh, so, so they're unknown. Usually they're unnoticed. A lot of times they're underappreciated they're the ones that don't get, seem to get in the game. There are a lot of superstars, but there are more people that are on the bench than those that are the superstars. Did you know that on average, every year in the NCAA, there are 460,000 student athletes? 460,000. But did you also know that uh, the, 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 those are the ones that are competing, but less than 2% of that number makes it into the pros? In any sport. So, so for the math gurus, what that fa- I had to figure it out. I couldn't do it. That, that's less than 9,000 gifted individuals who then go on to do something to support their family through sports. That, that's not very good odds. Amen. So, so, so bench warmers are common. They're everywhere. In fact, you can find bench warmers in Scripture. We're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into a story that you're probably going to know well, at least probably heard it growing up, but I think it's probably very misunderstood, and we need more information. And so I want to take you into a story in the Old Testament about a bench warmer that will challenge us to, to, to get this right. So if you have your Bibles... I want you to turn to Jonah chapter 1. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 down through verse 5. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. I don't even have time. I don't even have time. I could, I could camp right there and talk about the fact that too many of us go the opposite direction from when the Lord... Okay, see, uh, y'all ain't ready for me. But, but, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, and he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw their cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. Verse 12, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. 
I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rolled even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord. Jonah's God, oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice, a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. All right, some of y'all way back in children's church, right about now, you're thinking flannel boards. I, I know you heard the story. You heard this story, right? But, 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 but I want, to, want you to notice that nowhere in this account does it ever say that Jonah was not gifted or anointed. Come on, go back and read your Bible. There's nowhere in this entire account where it says that Jonah didn't have the ability, that he didn't have the anointing, that he wasn't commissioned. It simply says that, that he, he was uh, called and commissioned by God with this, a life or death message. So, so this, so this uh, Jonah didn't ride the pine because he wasn't able or because he didn't have the ability. He rode the pine. Instead, what we discover is that Jonah's issue is our issue. Jonah stayed on the bench for the same reasons that many of us stay on the bench. Now, there are a lot of different reasons why people stay on the bench, but, but the under, underlying issue for most of us is the same issue that Jonah had. Here it is. Bench warmers are often reluctant. They are often reluctant. Jonah was reluctant for several reasons. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive deep into why he was so reluctant. There were several. But, but let me just suffice it to say right now that, that, that uh, the reasons that so many of us don't get plugged in, don't begin to serve, don't fulfill the call of God on our life, don't walk into our destiny, don't change the world around us is simply because we're reluctant. I started the question, why, why are we so reluctant? Why, why is it that we struggle? And I think that I, I came up with some reasons. We're, we're number, number one, we're, we're, we're reluctant because we're, we, under, we underestimate our own call and our own gift. We examine everybody else's gift around us, and then we begin to diminish our gift. Come on now. Some of y'all been watching other people as they shine, as, they, as they, they're, they're, they're the superstars. They get the microphone, they get the stage, and you begin to wonder, am I really gifted enough? Am I called enough? And we undervalue, we diminish, we underestimate our own gift and our own call. I, th I think the second reason we're reluctant is because we know our own story. We know our own heart so well that we begin to disqualify ourselves with ever asking, without ever asking God, hey, God, do you still have a role for me to play? Do you still have a spot for me on the team? Do you still need me on the field, God? We never even consult him because what we've done is we've consulted our own heart and our own story, and we're so familiar with our own issues that we disqualify ourselves and we refuse to get in the game. Uh, okay, so, so we allow our mistakes to anchor us to the bench. Here's another reason. We listen to someone else's opinion about us, and therefore we allow their voice to become louder than God's voice in our life. I, I, let, me t let, me, let me take it into sports. Haven't y'all been, uh, 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 
you're familiar with these, these guys, these girls that are superstars in college. Then they go try out for the pros and somebody tells them their arm isn't strong enough. They're not fast enough. They don't have the necessary ability. And although they were superstars in college, they begin to, leave, to, to believe all these other outside voices and then they begin to question their own abilities and they never fulfill. They, they, they ride the bench the rest of their career. I wonder how many of us are on the bench because we hear all the other voices that other people are saying, like, they've made way, that guy, he's made way too many mistakes. That, that lady, I know her story. She's, she's messed up one too many times. There's no way God could ever use her because of what she did two years ago, and we allowed their voices to become so consuming and so d- 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 just overriding that we go, you know what, God, her voice, their voice is stronger than yours. We, uh, so, so here's another one. We hesitate because we become trapped by the schedule of our own making until we no longer have the time or the energy to fulfill the call of God on our lives. So when the opportunity arises, we refuse to give up our warm, safe, uncomfortable comfortable schedule, and we sit on the sidelines because we don't have any time left. So, so, so why are you hesitating? Why won't you get plugged in? Why won't you fulfill your call? Why won't you do what God has called you to do? What are the reasons? Why won't you respond? See, here's what I've come to to understand is this, that the reasons for reluctance are numerous, but the implications of reluctance are disastrous. I just need to tell you this morning that if you refuse to plug in, if you refuse to serve, if you refuse to fulfill the call of God on your life, the results are disastrous. The, the, the first thing I want you to know is that reluctance will destroy you personally. There are implications for you personally if you don't step in and fulfill the call of God on your life. I, I want you to notice that even though no one else noticed Jonah, God noticed. Even though no one else perceived Jonah's reluctance, God pinpointed it. The sailors had no idea that Jonah was running from God. They thought he was just an extra passenger. But I want you to recognize this morning that God knew that Jonah was going the opposite direction from where he'd called him. So, 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 so the Lord will call you up. I'm just trying to help you here. I'm just trying to protect you this morning. I just want to help. I just want to make your life as good as it can be. We're supposed to make you feel good when you come to church, right? No, no, no. Let me help you this morning. God will call you up. Nobody here is off limits. Nobody gets to ride the pine the rest of their life. Everybody has a call on their life. Everybody has a gift in their life. Everybody has something they're assigned to do by God. God will call you up. And if you are reluctant, can I help you this morning? God will also call you out. He won't won't ignore your reluctance. The, 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 The personal implication for Jonah is that he goes from sleep to storm. He goes from dozing to drowning. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when God calls you, I just need to help you here. I'm just trying to help you. When God calls you and you respond with reluctance, don't plan on sleeping. Don't plan on being able to just go on through your normal everyday life and never be bothered. Don't worry about getting extra. T- I, I'm just at peace and the rest. No, God will mess with you. I just, I'm trying to help you. Anybody else want to testify that God will mess with you? He won't let you go. He won't let you sleep. He won't let you get. I, I just wish he'd leave me alone sometimes. God, just leave me alone. He won't do it. I'm just trying to help you. Not only that, 
He goes from this place, this is the implication for Jonah personally, his plans get swallowed up. Man, you think, you think God's plans for you are tough. You think God's plans for you are difficult. Uh, let, let's, let's get thrown overboard. See, some of y'all been thrown overboard. Your life is in chaos right now. There are waves swamping you right now. There is a storm invading your life right now simply because you have run from God and you've become reluctant and because you've hesitated, now you find yourself that all of your plans have been swallowed up. And he, he, he tries to escape and instead he's trapped by a fish. Listen, God knows. I... I, I I'm just trying to help you this morning. I just need you to understand that you cannot escape the call. The Bible declares that the call of God is without repentance. It means that you can ask him to take it away. You can beg him to take it away. You can register all these mistakes and decisions and go, now I can't serve. But the call of God is without repentance. You cannot get away from it. That's why David accurately describes the presence and assesses the ability of God to track us down. In Psalm chapter 139, he asked this question that, that it talks to us about God's ability to hang on to us. He says, where can I go? Where? Where can I go? Can I go to the club? Can, can I go to the neighborhood? Can I go with my homies? Can I, can I go to work? Can I go to a distraction? Can I go to my hobby? Can I, where can I go where I can escape the presence of God? And then David responds, and he helps us, and he gives us information that we need to come to grips with. This is what he says. He answers his own questions. He says, if I go to heaven, surprise, you're there. But also, if I make my bed in the depths, one version says this, if I make my, my bed in hell, some of y'all have made your bed in hell, but can I tell you this morning, he also declares that even in the middle of hell, in the middle of the storm, in the midst of a raging sea, he's still there. We cannot escape the presence, the call, the destiny, the purpose, the, 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 the desire of God to use us. You can be reluctant, but rest assured, God is relentless. He will chase you down. Now listen, you can be reluctant and you can find yourself in some fishy situations, but, but, but he's going to track you down. He's going to go wherever he has to go. He's going to use whoever he has to use. You can try to run, but you can't hide. He's going to find you. The second thing I want you to notice is there aren't just personal implications. I need you to understand this morning that reluctance will destroy those around you. It's one thing that our reluctance destroys us, but we need to come to grips this morning that when we are reluctant to follow the call of God on our life, to serve, to plug in, to fulfill our destiny, it, it, listen, it's not that it just destroys you. There are impl implications and destruction for those around you. I, I think it's important and crucial to remember that there were some, some very severe implications for Jonah's reluctance to serve in some of the lives of the other people in the story. The, let me say it like this. The guy responsible for saving an entire city preferred to sit on the sidelines. I have a question for you. If, if God had said, you know what, Jonah? Just sit on the sidelines. It's all right. Just take this one. Just take this game out. Just take this game off. I got... We'll do something else. Just go over there and do your thing. Head to Tarshish. Get you some Chick-fil-A. Uh, 
get you a white chocolate mocha, and just relax, man. Just find you a place on the beach. You've got to have a beach. They had a big old ship. There's got to be a beach. Just relax, Jonah. Just take the day off. I got, it's all right. I just ignore that. I need you to ask yourself this question. What are the implications for the people that he was called to rescue? Let, let's go one step further. How many people were at risk if Jonah refuses to go to Nineveh. We know about the whale. If it was a whale, it never says it's a whale. It's a big fish. It was a gargantuan catfish. I don't know what it was. It was a grouper. I don't know. I don't know. I just know it was a big fish. We know all that, but have we stopped to think about the implications if Jonah doesn't show up in Nineveh? Because to understand the implications, you can't just read the first chapter. you got to jump all the way to the last chapter, chapter 4. Notice this, and the last verse of the entire story reveal the implications. Because in the last chapter, in the last verse, we are informed that Nineveh has a population of 120,000 people. Dramatic pause for it to sink in. That if Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh, he just put 120,000 men, women, boys, and girls at risk. Do you recognize that 120,000 individuals are going to be wiped off the face of the planet? It's not like God, if Jonah doesn't show up, it's not like God's going to just slap him on the wrist and say, bad city, bad city, get it right. He, the scripture tells us that he's going to destroy the entire city. They're all going to die. Reluctance can destroy those around you. I just want to inform you this morning that other people's lives are at risk when you're reluctant. I have some questions for this, you this morning. How many souls are at stake if you're reluctant? How, how many family members would have gotten involved in church if you would stick it out? How, how, many, how many associates, uh, how many people you, you grew up with in your neighborhood, how many people at your work would change their life and turn their life around if you would turn your life around. If you'd quit being so reluctant about turning the page and following God's call and living right, if you would quit being so reluctant and playing the fence and trying to have, your, have it your way and do what you want to do, if you would quit being reluctant, could it be that they would watch you and go, man, if he can do it, I can surely do it. If she can do it, I know her story. If she can turn it around, surely I can turn it around. But some of you continue to sit on the sidelines and you're reluctant and people's lives are at risk simply because you're reluctant. You, you underestimate the power of your voice. You underestimate the power of your serve. And I just want to encourage you this morning. You need to get in the game and turn the tide. You need to fight past your doubt. You need to fight past your fear. You need to fight past your shame. You need to fight through all of that stuff. And you need to recognize this, that Jonah's gift matters. So does yours. Your story matters. Your witness matters. Your life matters. Your serve matters. People's lives are risk. See, this just this isn't just about us. It's about them. 
It, it's, those, it, it's those around you that would be lost if we don't serve. It's those that would be lost if you don't change. It would, it's those that would be destroyed if you don't submit. And you go, well, I, I, I certainly couldn't influence 120,000 people. I don't know 120,000 people. I only know a few people. But, but in, if, if one is lost... If one life is destroyed because you won't get clean, if there's one life is destroyed because you, you won't let go of the grudge, if one life would be destroyed because you're so angry you can't help, if, if one life would be lost, isn't that a high enough price? See, I need you to understand that, that the truth is today, and you've got to understand this, we, we miss this, we must understand that you may be reluctant, but you are not replaceable. See, I, I, I got I to work on your theology a little bit here. I, and and the, I'm on thin ice, but let me just skate for a moment and see if I can't help you because I ain't figured this out. I, I read the whole account. I read the whole story. I haven't figured out anywhere else that God had a substitute in mind. I can't find anywhere else in this account where it says, well, if Jonah hadn't shown up, and let's say Jonah goes to the fish, kind of likes fish, decides to stay in the fish. I can't read anywhere else where God had a substitute. He had no plan B. Okay, so, 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 so there's no indication that if Jonah refuses to go, that he's got somebody waiting in the wings that he's going to call into the game and save the day. I know God is God because we like to blame him for everything. We want to put it on him. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, God's God, he'll get it done. Yeah, but what if he didn't have any substitute plans? Okay, I know, I know. I'm a, you are his plan. You are plan A, you're plan B, you're plan C, you're plan Z. God is waiting on you. He called you, he gifted you, he anointed you, he positioned you, he assigned you. He's got all of his plans wrapped up in you. I got one, pe I got one person that believes me. Some of you just thought, well, he can use somebody else. Somebody else will step up. Somebody else will show up. Somebody else will serve. Somebody else will wave at the people when they drive by church. Somebody else will take up the offering. Somebody else will help with the young people. Somebody else will help with the, 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 the rugrats in the back. Some, somebody, else, somebody else will ush. Somebody else will sing. Somebody else will witness. Somebody else will testify. Somebody else will live pure. Somebody else will represent him well. Somebody else will go into my workplace and share the light. Somebody else will go to my school and start a revival. Somebody else. The only problem is, is although you're reluctant, you're not replaceable. God is waiting on you. God has called you. You are his plan. Show up. There's a hole in the line. We need you on the line. We need you in your spot. We need you off the sidelines. We need you to come. He's tapping you. You. You go show me one other place in, in, in this book where he says, you know what, if Jonah doesn't come through, we'll, I'll, I'll find somebody else to go to Nineveh. I can't find it. The truth is, is that there are people in your lives that I will never be able to reach. There are, the truth is, is that you have individuals in your life that you're assigned to that a pastor in a local church will never be able to reach. There are people in your life that your, your, your Christian group will never be able to reach. You know why? Because you're God's plan. 
So, so I just, since so some of you waited and you've resisted long enough, you've hesitated long enough, you've, you, you've felt the personal pain, the, fur, the, 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 the implications for your life of, of waiting and refusing, your life has gone overboard. I'm just trying to encourage you today, you need to get in the game. You need to get in the game. And so, so I'm going to get really personal and tell you, you need to surrender to the call. The tap is coming today. So let me get real. Hey, Darren, the coach is calling for you. Hey, 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 John, the, the coach is calling your name. Hey, Lauren, the coach wants to insert you into the lineup. Hey, Michelle, come on now. Get in there. Come on, come on, Jason. Get, you, you take the field. Come on, come on Drew. You've got a place to, to, to play. Come on, Jessica. We got, we got room for you. I've, I called most of the people that are already serving because some of y'all were going to get really uncomfortable when I pinpointed the fact I'm not God God's going to pinpoint you and you're going to go he couldn't call my name because I'm not in the game hey it's time it is time for you to get in the game what are you waiting for you are I'm done you are the Jonah in your story you have to make up your mind. Will I accept the call of God on my life or will I resist? Come on, Catherine. I, 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 why? Why? What's your reason? We're going to go through Jonah's reasons. Over He had several reasons why he wouldn't serve, why he didn't want to respond. What are yours? Did, did, did I call them out? Maybe I missed them. Maybe, maybe because see, you can hide from me. I, maybe, maybe Pastor Steve didn't think it through hard enough, and I didn't get your reason. I couldn't come up with your excuse for not getting plugged in. All I know is this. God notices. God knows the call on your life. God knows the purpose and the plans for your life. And you can hide as long as you want, but you cannot get away from him. What are you waiting on? I want you to stand with me this morning. Maybe you're here and you feel like your gift doesn't count. Maybe you're here and you feel like I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many bad choices. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Steve, you don't know my story. If you knew my story, you wouldn't be pushing me because surely I'm disqualified. Surely there's no way God can use me. Surely I've made a, I've made a mess of my life. I'm like Jonah. I, I have gone the exact opposite direction of where God was calling me. That's me. That's my story. I understand your reluctance. But do you understand the implications? The implications are destruction for you personally. Some of y'all trying to get some sleep. You can't. Some of you got plans and they keep falling through and you're going, why won't my plans work? Because they're not his plans. Some of you thought you had your life figured out and it's gone off the rails and you're like, what in the world? If you would just give in. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us be honest with ourselves and be honest with you. There are many of us standing in this room today that have chosen to go the opposite direction of where you've called us. We, we're, we're literally marching in a different direction. You've called us to serve. You've called us to matter. You've called us to, to make a difference. And instead, we're just trying to escape.
I pray that you'd arrest us in our spirit this morning. I pray that you would remind us this morning that we are your plan. Your word declares that you order the steps of righteous men and women. That means you have a plan for us. And I pray that this morning we would surrender and we would submit and we would begin to walk in obedience to what you've called us to do. And we wouldn't let anything or anyone keep us on the sidelines because we don't want to put not only ourselves at risk, we don't want to put anybody else at risk either. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. This is between you and God. In fact, I'm not even going to open my eyes. And if you want to make sure I don't have my eyes open, open yours real quick and look. And then close them. Because this is a private, intimate moment with God. The truth is, is that in this size of a congregation, you can hide from us. Jonah did. You can hide from us, but you can't hide from God. This is a God moment between you and him. So if you're here this morning and you say, Steve, even though you can't see me, I'm, I'm acknowledging the fact that I've been running from God, that I thought I was disqualified from making a difference. And I want to publicly, just between me and God, I just want to submit and indicate to him that I'm willing to give up my own plans, give up my own desires. I'm willing to walk into the calling and the purposes that he has for my life because I want to reach the others around me. If that's you, without anybody looking around, including myself, would you just raise your hand and pull it right back down? Pull it right back down. I couldn't see it, but I got good ears. Father, you know hands went up. We've all spent days running from you. We've all had days where we underestimate the power of our gift and our serve and the call on our life. We repent. Before you have to send a big fish and disaster and destruction, we repent. We ask you to turn our lives around. We submit to what you have for us to do. We may not be a superstar. Our name may never go up in lights, but we have a role to play. And I pray that this morning as we repent for our reluctance, I pray that now what you would do is you would call us and remind us. I pray right now in the privacy of this moment, you would remind people of the call of God on their lives. I pray that it would be like the first time they ever heard you speak to them and they would hear once again the whisper, that still small voice where you call their name and you call them to serve. Speak to us, oh God. Remind us that we have a role to play. That we're still your plan. That lives are still at stake. And I pray that inside of us would come a resolute spirit where we make up our minds that we are going to answer the call no matter what. No price is too high. No sacrifice is too great. No length of time is too long. We will answer the call of God on our life. We make that commitment to you right now. 
we're willing to go where you called us to go, do what you called us to do, impact the people that you called us to impact, use the gift on our li- in our lives for your glory and for your honor. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you do this? Would you turn, look at your neighbor right in the eye and say, you are his plan. Come on, tell him. You are his plan. You may be seated for just one moment. One moment. We have two items of business that we want to take care of. If you're here this morning and you haven't been serving, one of the best ways to get plugged in is to volunteer. It's not, this isn't the only place, it's not the only way, but it is a starting point. So we didn't put these in your seat today. We'll give them out later this, this month, but they are available. They're out in the lobby on the uh, comm center out there. It's these cards, they say bench warmer on them. It's a way for you to sign up to get involved. We have numerous ways for you to get involved. We have a place for you. Come on, volunteers that are so faithful to serve every week. Yeah, we have a place for you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you feel like you slipped through the cracks here at uh, uh, Passion? Serve, you won't, because we start looking out for the folks that are serving. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't slip through the cracks if you're serving. Only those that don't serve get lost in the in in, in the motion, right? So we want you to serve. But here's where we're all going to get involved, right here, the one that's in your seat, game day. We've been talking about this for four weeks. We talked about the fact that we must bust bubbles, right? Y'all remember that? I know we got no bubbles on the stage this week, but y'all remember, right? You can go down the hall and get bubbles. Um, but we talked about the fact that on average, when we do a prayer and invite card like this, less than 50% of you respond. It's because we're so bubbled. So we've got them in your chair. I want you to take a few moments. I want you to put your name, either your phone number or your email on it. And then I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to write five people's names on the card that you will not only invite or not only pray, but you will also invite. Y'all, y'all missed it. It's an equation. We don't just get to pray. That's a cop-out if you just pray. You have to invite as well because you are his plan. Word. Selah. Mic drop. Whatever. You're his plan. The reason they're on your heart in the first place is because you're his plan. You have influence. You have entry. So I want you to take a moment, think of the five that you're going to invite, and they're going to come and be a part of game day, which is on August 29th. That's what we're leading up to. You're going to do everything in your power, your ability to influence, to get them here on August 29th, and we will faithfully share the good news of Jesus with them on the 29th, and we're going to believe that they're going to give their heart to Jesus. Are you writing them down? Who are the five? Well, I don't know anybody that's saved or not saved. Get out of your bubble. Get on the field. Got him? Got him? Come on, I'm giving you a second. You got him? Come on, would you just hold him up real quick and then I'm going to give you instructions on what to do with him once you've got him. Hold him up. I got my five. I got my five. Some of y'all lying right now. Got to get out of your bubble. You can't hang out with Christian people all the time. You got your five? Good, I got about 12 of you. You got five. All right. Let's pray. Father, You see the names that we've written down or that we will write down.
These are important people. These are people that don't know your son Jesus. They're, they're in Nineveh. They're slated for destruction. They're headed for destruction. I pray that you would begin to give us access, open doors, moments, moments of influence where we could just drop hints and then come right out and ask them. We pray that their life over the coming three to four weeks would, whatever it takes to get their attention so that they would be willing to hear what we've got to say, they would respond to the invitation. Father, we bring these five people to you and we ask you to bring them to church at Passion on August the 29th and help us to faithfully represent you so well in the meantime that they will want what we have and they will come into this place desperate, hungry, desiring a life change. And Father, may we see a massive harvest of people who come into your kingdom, not for our glory, not for our honor, not for our namesake, but instead for your glory, for your honor, and for your namesake. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want you to take your card. I want you to drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by. You say, why? Because our staff is going to pray with you over the coming four weeks that, they will, that you will have the opportunity to share and invite and get them here. We are partnering with you in prayer. Come on, Pastor Drew. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.